This is episode 96 of the Rising Man podcast with Daniel Howard. To forget how to dig the earth and tend the soil is to forget ourselves. Good rising family blessings up and out to all y'all. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Jetty Azuma. And in case you're a man out there who's struggling right now, fighting the good fight, you don't know what to do, you don't know where to go, I just wanna say I see you. I see you, bro. You're not alone. And whatever obstacle is in your way that seems insurmountable, you can do it. Trust me, there's nothing you can't conquer and overcome. But we can't do it all by ourselves. That's why we've got a band together. Having a men's circle for the past 10 years has allowed me to navigate becoming a husband, a father, starting a business, and figuring out how to live my purpose and provide for my family. And I've decided that every single man gets to have this reality. A brotherhood of men that will always have your back, rain or shine, no matter the weather. That's why we've got our Rising Man Fire Circles in full effect, newly revamped and upgraded to give you guys more of what you need to live your best life, to give the best of what you've got, to become a more effective leader of men and a more effective executor of your vision in your life. For 33 bucks a month, you get access to our private community. You get placed on a team with five other men from all over the world, opportunities to lead, discover and grow alongside your brothers. We've had so many men join in the past month that we need to raise our prices. So after this week, the price for the fire circles is going up. So don't miss out on your chance to lock in the $33 a month rate for life. Just go to patreon.com slash rising man right now and sign up today. All right. My guest for today is none other than Daniel Howard. Daniel is a visionary energy entrepreneur who brings a passion for the environment, consciousness, and social change together with a PhD in energy engineering. His current company guides countries on how to minimize the economic, environmental, and health costs of their national energy systems. Daniel's path is a product of exploring the depths of his psyche and the beauty of the earth using many personal growth modalities along the way, including yoga, meditation, travel, conscious relating, emotional fluency, the science of peak performance, and deep inner work coaching. This is the conversation that everybody needs to be listening to. I brought my man Daniel on here because number one, he has such a valuable body of wisdom for all of us. We all need to know about what's happening to our climate and with real sound research and evidence to back it up. And number two, he's so connected to his heart and his mission that the two of those put together makes for just an incredible human being. So in this episode, Daniel offers us a quick synopsis of the state of climate change. Are we already fucked? Is it too late? Tune in to find out. How can we as individuals make a meaningful impact on the changes in our environment? Real, easy, tangible ways to make a significant difference. You'll never guess what is responsible for 70% of our carbon footprint. I didn't even know this until he told me. We talked about the intersection between your passion and big worldly problems. Why identifying this unique crossroads for you is essential at this time in history. We spoke about the importance of creating intergenerational connections. Why communicating across the age spectrum can create new levels of learning and awareness. Collective problem solving and how, why this is the superior method of solution creation. What does it mean to be defenders of the sacred? Opening up space for all to heal and open. And last but not least, why leading with love matters more than any external solution. Without further ado, my man, Daniel Howard. All right, Rising Man family, another powerful man coming onto the show today, my brother, Daniel Howard, coming in live from Lima, Peru. 
How you doing, man? Shetty, so nice to see you, and I'm doing fantastic. How are you? Doing really well. I've been looking forward to this conversation, especially with the body of wisdom and expertise that you bring to the conversation of the environment, the climate, and a topic that is so up right now. And personally, I don't know who to believe in the conversation of where we're at and what we need to do from this point forward. So I, I look forward to tapping your brain on that and seeing where it carries us. Mm. Mm. Thanks, brother. Yes, yes. So before we hit that, let me ask you what I ask everybody who comes on the show. What is the difference between a boy and a man? Mm. I thought about this a little bit because I heard you ask the question. I've heard you ask mm-hmm. the question before. And I love your answer around a man is someone who has the awareness and the capacity to see which archetype or which personality traits are needed in a moment and step into it. Something I'd something I'd add to it is is a man has cultivated his his inner family. And what I mean is is the man has his inner man, his masculine side, left side of the brain, and those those characteristics refer to as masculine. But he also has his inner woman and those feminine characteristics and the more right side of the brain things. And he also has his like his inner boy and that child that's there. And he's able to tend to all of them and step into all of them as needed. Whereas the boy, he's still in that that boy stage that that naive, blissful, playful, curious time. Mm-hmm. And I love that answer, man, because it's not called the Rising Masculine Podcast, although we tend to have conversations oriented towards the masculine, because I think a lot of us are still learning what it really means to be in our masculine power and to express that in a healthy way. But to also speak to the boy, to speak to the feminine that's in all of us, because we are all humans, mm. I, I appreciate that. So thanks for giving your, your perspective on that. Yeah. Makes for a well-rounded human, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And, and along with the well-roundedness, like it's this idea of like this continuously unfolding journey, right? And, and if you look at Joseph Campbell's and Robert Bly's work on this, there's this theme of like, you know, you have the boy, he starts out as a boy, right? Again, naive, blissful, curious, and then he moves into the, the night phase, which is all about competence and skills and getting good at making money or making friends or talking to women or building houses or whatever it is. And then gets to a certain point where he realizes like, is there more to life than this? Is there more consciousness than this? And at that point, he starts to enter the prince phase, which is around, you know, consciousness and and greater awareness in terms of life's purpose and his purpose, what they call in Japanese, I, I think it's ikigai, right? Like the reason for being and, you know, the meaning mm-hmm. that's driving everything that he's doing. And as he goes through that phase and then enters the, the king phase, which is like once you have that conscious clarity, then you're liberated to start creating freely, creating the kingdom and providing for the world and giving your greatest gifts. Yeah. That's great, man. And I love that breakdown, especially for as a segue into the conversation we're prepared to have today, because as I mentioned in the intro, you are an expert in environmental science and the state of the environment, the climate and and the conversation of what is happening to planet Earth. And also, what does that mean? What are the implications of that for the future of humans, the future of all life on this planet? So Mm -hmm. 
To start off, I, I want to ask you a question that I know I'm asking myself. I think a lot of us are. Are we already fucked? Because mm. <laughs> that's what a lot yeah. of us are thinking. It's like, is there a point? Is it already a foregone conclusion? Do we start heading for the sure. hills? Sure. No, you know, that's a great question. And it's the every time I do a podcast, I'm asked that, that question. And just for, yeah. um, for all the <laughs> listeners out there, thank you so much for tuning in. I love you. I'm going to do my best to make this as clear and informative and compelling as possible. My background on this is I have a PhD in energy and sustainability and, and I have a business in that area right now as well. And so I've, I've gone really, really deep, not just in the science side, but also the politics and industry. And so that my, my perspectives are, are informed and they're based on science. And what the latest science says is no, we are not already fucked. <laughs> we have we have time to turn things around, although it needs urgent and drastic changes, like like mass scale changes. And from a from a global perspective, we've had one degree of warming. And that rate at which the planet is warming is accelerating. And it's currently at 0.2 degrees per decade. And what the latest study by the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change says is that when we move from one degree to 1.5 degrees of warming, which is just 25, 30 years away, that we can expect 50% of all the coral reefs around the world to be extinct, along with a lot of other things. When we move to two degrees of warming, we can expect 99% of coral reefs around the world to be extinct along with a lot of other things. When we get to three degrees, which at our current rate of warming is only 10 decades, right? Only a hundred years, which, and this rate has been speeding up, right? When we get to that three mm -hmm. to five degree warming window, we can expect a 30% biodiversity extinction of all species on the planet, right? Like it's, mm -hmm. it's not just about the polar bears. And, and this is why climate change is the fundamental existential issue that humanity is facing. And there, there's a lot of issues around sustainability in terms of waste, water, air pollution, but these are all manageable compared to a 30% biodiversity extinction of all species. Right. So, and this was great because the conversation that you and I had unrecorded, you really helped to break that down very simply and say, all of these other problems are important they do deserve our attention and our efforts. But if we don't turn this ship around or slow it down, the, the, the warming of the planet, then all of those problems become irrelevant anyway, because we've, we're going to cause a third of the, world's, of the world's biodiversity to be extinct. And there's so many other implications that go into that. That's not, that's not really what we're here to do today. I was glad, I wanted you to share that because it does illustrate the gravity of the situation but also in a very tangible way, because, you know, going back to what the, the masculine, right, we bring masculine into the conversation so much. That's the problem solving element of of our capacity as humans, specifically as men. So I think understanding the problem with some science based behind it and then figuring out now what can we do from here? Where do we go next and i don't i don't want this to be a big conversation about policy and politics yeah. and all that but you and i talked about on an individual level how can we as you know we've got what almost 8 billion humans on this planet let's say half of them are dudes mm. more or less so so what what can what can we do what is your perspective on 
the individual impact we can have on this starting starting mm. off? Great question. Let me answer it first by talking a little bit about why it's not already too late. And then I'll go into to mm-hmm. what we can do just to, to set the stage. So the, the reason why it's not already too late is we know what's causing climate change and it's greenhouse gases and greenhouse gases that are primarily emitted from burning fossil fuels. So coal, oil and natural gas. And what happens is when we combust these fossil fuels, to, whether it's in cars or power plants, they go up into the atmosphere and they absorb heat. And so it creates this global energy imbalance where the earth is absorbing more heat than it's releasing. And just like if you were absorbing more heat than you were releasing, you would warm until you reached a thermal equilibrium. That's what the earth is doing. And so based on our current emissions and based on the, and there's been studies on this, on all the power plants in the world that are active, as well as the new ones that have been been planned and approved in their life cycles, we have an idea of the emissions we've already committed to without taking any existing assets offline. And, and based on the emissions we've already had and the warming that's generated, we're able to see, okay, based on our current pathway, what are the emissions going to look like? And What's the warming going to look like? And then there's all of these these policies and other pathways to essentially limit warming to such like 1.5 degrees, which was the Paris Agreement, or 2 degrees, which were agreements that came before the Paris Agreement. And so the idea here is just like whether it's physical therapy, you're you're a physical therapist, or let's say you're, you're Mm -hmm. doing inner work or climate, to go to a young quote, you don't become enlightened by imagining figures of light, you bring consciousness to the darkness, right? So when you're working with someone in physical therapy, you go and you look at, okay, boom, you hurt your knee. How'd you hurt it? These are the symptoms. This is likely what's happening. Here's a solution. And it's, it's similar around, around the climate of we understand what's causing it and what's going on. And we have a a number of solutions. However, the market is, is failing to, to correct this on its own. And there's a lot we can go into it and governments are also failing to correct it. So there's, yeah, there's a, there's a lot we could talk about there, but I want to, I want to bring it back to what we could do on an individual level. And there's, there's two main things you can reduce your footprint and then you can reduce the footprint of other people. And when I say footprint, carbon footprint. So from an individual standpoint, what can I do? Well, the average person in the U.S., 40% of their greenhouse gas emissions comes from transportation, 30% from electricity, 21% from industry, things they consume, and about 9 or 10% from food. So if you can change your transportation and either walk more, bike more, get an electric vehicle, that's going to make a big impact. One of my favorites is if you can switch your electricity source. So if you own your house, solar panels, if you don't, there are a number of organizations arising called community choice aggregators. And there's one in Santa Barbara that should be online (laughs) next year. And what you can do is you can call them and essentially have your electricity switched over to renewable energy sourced. And so Hmm. your, your bill might go up 5% per month. So five, ten dollars, but you're gonna be reducing your thir- your footprint by thirty percent just with that's one huge. call. So that's an amazing way to mm-hmm. do it. California also has also has mandates for hundred percent renewable electricity by twenty forty five. So it's going in that direction 
already, but it's going to take a while to get there. And so the more you can accelerate it, the better. Yeah. Well, that's, that's great, man. And I appreciate you breaking it down to really simple tips. Even, even those percentages I think are really useful because for me, just listening to that, I say, wow, if I take care of my transportation and the power I use on a day-to-day basis in my household, then I'm already making like a 70% reduction in my footprint. And that's huge. If, if, if you know, a, a percentage of us all did that alone, it would make a big impact. So good to see that simple things that are already available, even if it is does come at a little bit more of a cost to us, when you compare that to the overall implications of the, you know, what our children are going to inherit from us or what our great grandchildren could inherit from us, to me, it's a no brainer. It's like, of course, I'd rather pay. In fact, we're, we're due to get a new vehicle next year and mm. I'm committed to getting an, an electric vehicle. It's, it, we, got, we got to find a family friendly electric vehicle because we yeah. got two kids now. But yeah, man, so I, I appreciate that. And I want to shift the dialogue uh, to something that's a little a little less science-based. Well, this is going to be a little more from, from you and I trying to figure out what this yeah. looks like. Because I've identified that this generation, specifically the, the millennial generation, has a great opportunity to be the ones that really recommitted to stewarding, being stewards of our home, mm-hmm. of our planet. It's obvious that that's the biggest, like you said, that's the, really the biggest issue facing our, our ability to have a home to live in beyond you know several decades. So... In this conversation of purpose as men, you know, we've identified the importance of having purpose and having a direction for ourselves in our lives. I wonder what you what you have to say about men who are starting to identify maybe with that princehood that you were talking about, you know, the, the greater consciousness. What is my role? How can I have influence with my time on this planet? And channeling it into something that's really appropriate yeah. for the times that we're living in. Yeah, great question. And, you know, there, there's a a practical exercise that I love. And it starts with first, like making a list of everything that you're curious about. And what you'll notice is there'll be different intersections around the curiosities, right? So for instance, like environment and sustainability for me has a lot of different intersections of things that I'm interested in relating to the environment, technology, travel, developing countries, helping people that are struggling to survive, preserving the planet for future generations, entrepreneurship. It's, it's linked to higher levels of consciousness. It's related to healing, right? Like all of these curiosities and interests of mine that when they intersect, they, they start to form passion and a lot of passion. And so after you, you know, you list your curiosities and you start to see intersections and identify areas of passion, you can then, and you're clear in your areas of passion, you can then make a list of like the big problems that Mm. that need to be solved in the world. And there's a lot, there's so many of them. And then you can start to look for intersections around your passion and these big problems that need to solve, and then start to align your passion with, with purpose. And What's, what's so great about purpose is mm. that it's, and it's an intrinsic motivator rather than an extrinsic motivator such as fame or money. And intrinsic motivators are, are inherently more powerful. Right. I love that exercise, man. And what it made me think of was flashing mm. back maybe five years ago at this point for me where I had all of these passions and interests. I'll list a few of them off. Creativity and spoken word, mm. music, lyricism. Mm. Men's work, obviously, the planet and future generations, indigenous ceremony. Mm. So a lot of these seemingly unconnected parts, education for children, 
It's like, okay, where, what kind of job incorporates all of those things? And it's, it's, it, it, at first glance, it's like, well, I can go become a teacher. I can go and, you know, study under a medicine man or woman, but they all seem a little bit separate or distinct. But I like what you're describing because that's been my discovery in the past five years is I had to create a way to bring all of my greatest interests and passions together. And maybe that's the answer is what the opportunity is for this generation of men is to really formulate our own unique way of delivering our medicine to the world in a way that the previous generations never had to do because you were a carpenter, you were a plumber, you were a businessman, a salesperson, a stay at home mom or dad. And that was it. Very, very few titles. Now we've got people defining themselves based on what their greatest passion and interest is. And I like how I, I pictured a web of different oh, strands of string uh-huh. and, and finding that point where they all intersect. Yeah. Like you see on those crime shows when they're trying to string together events. So anyway, that, that's the visual that came up for me. I wonder if you had something to say about that. Yeah, yeah, around that that visual. I actually created one of those where where I wrote all of my curiosities. There was like 30 of them in a circle. And then I would create a dot and like dot one and all of the, all of the curiosities that that intersected, like relating to that dot. And then I would name that dot, such as like the first one for me would be like environment and sustainability. I mapped them to that dot. And then it was like, wow, like like Mm -hmm. so many of the things that I'm interested in are related to this. And then I did another dot, you know, around consciousness. Mm -hmm. And then I did, another dog around relationships and it's yeah it's interesting to to put a visual to the you know whatever is stored in your psyche yeah oh that's brilliant man and so is that what helped to inform the way that you're being of service on this planet today maybe walk us past the actual exercise and how you began to implement that in your life yeah good Good question. So the, the exercise was just something that I did to, to reinforce my path. I think where it, where it started was, and I, I got to honor my parents. They raised me with a strong sense of self-worth and self-efficacy and self-love, and they validated me as a person. And they really encouraged me exploring my desires, regardless of the societal stigmas. And the, the, the earliest memory that I have of it was I was nine years old and I was walking out of the mall with my mom and there was a group of, of 30 Hispanic people, adults, marching with signs. And I said, mom, what, what are they doing? And she goes, oh, they're, they're protesting. And I said, what's protesting? And she goes, oh, well, it's, you know, when something's happening, they that you don't like and that doesn't align with, with your values and you, you stand up against it. And I said, well, what are they protesting? And she looked around and she goes, sweatshops. And I go, what are sweatshops? And she tells me what sweatshops are. And I, I just was like, mm-hmm. I want to go march with them. And she like, <laughs> like kind of like <laughs> had this frazzled look and sat down and like, I think made a quick assessment and then said like, okay, go, go march with them. And so I started marching around in a circle. And at first mm-hmm. they were like giving me weird looks. So like, who's this little kid that just joined our, our circle. And, and then after <laughs> a song, they gave me signs to hold and we, we kept marching. And at one point I saw this man like walk out who worked at the department store that they were protesting. And he had on like a black suit and a gold tie and 
like, excuse me, a pink tie and a little gold name tie and a phone. And he was talking on this phone and he had this like smirk on his face that I've never forgotten. I interpreted it as just like, you guys are so stupid. You're not going to change anything. But it was that, that point I realized like I was never going to be that man and I was never going to work for that man. And then throughout, you know, throughout the years, the more I explored my interests and got to like live in that state of passion and, and flow, the more that it reinforced like my drive to do it, regardless of how hard it would be. And so I think that that's really what's, what's carried me yeah. on through the years of just like continuing to explore those passions and to like to, to be honest, to put in, to put in hard work and to like to really do what's needed to be done. And yeah. yes, in a balanced way and yes, taking care of myself. But it's easy to make excuses like, oh, I just don't feel like it right now. It's not in the flow. Whereas a lot of times just getting up and sure. doing it will eventually lead to the manifestation. Yeah, man. And I always talk about having a big enough why to get you off the couch because couch is always going to invite you to come down, pop on some Netflix, chill out a little bit, take it easy. It's hard. It's hard going out there and providing for a family. And to, when you've got a big enough why, and in, in your case, you know, taking care of the planet, making sure there's a there's a planet for all life to live on. That's that's a pretty compelling reason to get off the couch. It's it's hard to to you know give the finger to the planet and say and the future generations and say ah you screw you guys I'm gonna go and take care of myself right now. I thought something that stood out to me in the story you just shared was was the the guy who walked out on the phone with the name tag and the tie and not understanding what. It seemed like a disconnect is what I what I interpreted that as. And I think I'm really big on intergenerational mm -hmm. connection and, and restoring intergenerational connections because I think the acceleration of our evolution as a society has happened so quickly that the people that are on the elder side mm -hmm. of that spectrum feel lost. And the newer souls here, you know, the younger souls, don't know how to relate to people who lived in a completely different time period. And so... I'm interested in your perspective on what we can do to how, how important, first of all, do you think that is to bridge the intergenerational gap, especially because a lot of politicians and people making decisions are from that generation right now. And what do you think is the opportunity? What can we do to bridge those gaps? Hmm. I think with a lot of things like a, awareness is the gateway, whether it's self-awareness of your, your underlying beliefs and the judgments and associations and the unconscious part of your mind that are creating a lens at which you see the world or an awareness of how what you're doing, how what you're doing is impacting someone or whatever it is. And, and it, alongside of it is this idea of openness to step outside of those judgments and those beliefs and experience new things and hear new perspectives and, and evolve, you know, evolve in not just beliefs and thoughts, but in all ways. And, yeah, I think that that's what, you know, that part of what the intergenerational connection has to, to offer is new levels of awareness and new levels of, of openness. And yeah, and shattering those, those rigid beliefs, judgments, and associations that, that keep us segregated and, and in, in mental cells. Yeah, because I, I, I think about how much anger there is towards politicians you know i mean I, I hear people especially around here in santa barbara walking around talking about mm. oh, all these old white guys in office making decisions it's and there's a there's an underlying tone of disdain that 
I know isn't going to get anything accomplished. And I also know if these guys actually had some awareness and consciousness about what you're talking about, it doesn't really feel like a safe place to say, hey, we screwed up. I mean, for Donald Trump to, to flip around and say, hey, a lot of the stuff that I said, uh, man, was coming from a really wounded place. And I'm seeing the the folly in my in my ways. And, and I want to amend for that by doing my best to take care of future generations. I think there'd still be a lot of people that would want to nail him to the cross. I think there'd still be a lot of people that would want to nail these guys down. So part, at least for me, part of it is creating a warm enough place, a safe enough place for the invitation to be in a conversation about collective problem solving and avoiding this individual blame so much so much of this hatred and frustration wants to be pointed at one person and i always vouch for collective responsibility because it's not those guys that got us here they're not they may not be making decisions that are helping the situation but we're all doing it you know most of us who are pointing the finger at that guy are still driving our our v8 cylinder you know cruising down the highway 80 miles an hour so that's something that I always bring to the conversations. Where can I take more responsibility for this and also create a space where to be a defender of the sacred, to be a safe place for all people. What does that require of me? What does that ask of me right now? So that even those guys can have a space to be vulnerable and have the opportunity to change. So that's just my perspective on it. I know that it's, it's it's something we've got to figure out because we're not going to get there by only a part of us deciding that this is what's important. That's really well said. And what, what comes up for me, and this was actually a big, big shift in my, my life was realizing that everyone is doing their best given their model of the world. Like everyone is doing their best Mm. given their model of the world. And a lot of times their model of the world is they inherit it based on their environment and who raised them and where they're raised in society. And and all of these things, it's like this blank psyche that's born that then gets gets programmed. And so if everyone's doing their best, given their model of the world, like it, it makes it hard to hold on to resentment. And, you know, like, like when you're really resenting, like, how could they do this? Well, it's like even Trump, like given his model of the world, he's doing what he thinks is best. And yes, I agree. It, it is a mm-hmm. sad and destructive and degrading model of the world but mm-hmm. you know he's he's just trying to do his best and he, he was born in into it in some ways and and i'm not giving him an excuse or an out right or it's not he's not like he doesn't right. get to take any yeah. less responsibility for his life but the resentment that i hold within me right. for him like it gives that a space to clear which is really nice and another mm. thing to realize is like there are so many forces at stake, right? Like I used to get so upset about this stuff, but like (laughs) when you take a macroeconomic look at it, it's like, why hasn't the market adjusted to fix climate change and air pollution, where air pollution is now the fifth largest contributor to global disease. It's the largest non-behavioral contributor to global disease so it's not related and just to be clear by by market you mean all of us like (laughs) you me and everybody else the consumers out there you guys who are listening all of us yes thank you yeah like we all have responsibility (laughs) and the reason why the free market hasn't is one like the the externalities right these these unintended consequences of our actions are not priced in market goods so the effects of driving your car or buying materials, you know, made 
from dirty electricity or whatever it is, like the climate change impacts, the air pollution impacts, the terrestrial ecotoxicity, the ocean acidification, the eutrophication, the water depletion, all of that stuff, the 2,000 gallons of water that went into making your Patagonia jacket. Yes, they had to play, pay for the water, but what are the effects on the environment of using that water and where was it taken from? Those aren't priced into it. And with climate change and air pollution, those externalities are so much greater than, than the cost of goods. And that's very rare. In most segments, most industries, the externalities aren't 10, 50, 100 times greater than the internal cost. So that's one of the issues. Another issue. Is- can, you, can, you, can you break that down a little bit more? Because sure. even I'm ha- having a hard time tracking that. Just, just, just to simplify that a little bit more with the, what you're trying to say there. So when you get on an airplane and you fly you know, to another continent, it's burning a tremendous amount of, of oil, of fuel. And essentially you pay for, okay, you pay for the airplane, you pay for the fuel, you pay for taxes, you pay for you know, the laborer, the pilot, and then the company makes a profit and like that goes into the costs, right? Those are the internal costs. But what's not priced into that are what are the impacts on the environment and on human health of burning, let's say, all of that oil and of mining all the raw materials that go into making the airplane and, and then what happens afterwards. And, and it turns out that because of how catastrophic climate change is and because of how detrimental particulate matter is to human health, those external costs or those, co- those consequential costs of the activity aren't priced into it. If they were, right, fossil fuel energy would be 10 or 50 times more expensive than renewable energy. And the market. Yeah, people are complaining about gas prices right now, yeah. man. We're talking about like $150 a gallon, right? Yeah. <laughs> if you really look at exactly. it. Exactly. And then wow. comparing that to an electric vehicle, like, which would you choose? $150 a gallon or your electric vehicle that's like, basically the same price as oil is right now four dollars got it got it. okay cool so i'm glad you broke that down because i think here i am exhibit a that was a great illustration of a blindness that you know even when you were explaining i was like okay i know he's saying something potent but i'm not quite catching it there are greater impacts that are not being accounted for in the way that we are in relationship even and economically in relationship you know we're we're paying for a service but we're not accounting for all the costs that go on the backside of that is what I'm hearing. And that's, that's huge, man. I mean, for all of us to be more conscious and aware of that, um, even just to shine light on what it takes. I mean, how many people get, how many of you guys who are listening, just think about this to yourselves, get on an airplane and think about all of the energy that went into building the airplane, just building the airplane. And then imagine how many airplanes are flying around in the sky every day, you know, thousands, I don't know. And then all of the millions of tons of oil that's being burnt so that we can go on vacations to Bali, you know, and and, and not to say that we can't have those things or that we all need to stop going on vacations and enjoying our lives. But to have this kind of awareness around it, if we really care about the planet and about the future, it's funny, right? And everyone's like, yeah, go, you know, go planet Earth until you start bringing up stuff that they're like, oh, I don't want to give that up. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to give up going on, on vacation. I, I, I love Bali. I don't want, I don't want to give up going out there a couple of times a year. Yeah. So, so what, what do you say to that? Because even, even those of us who want to take care of the planet, it's like, oh, but it's so hard to give up 
watching The Bachelor. <laughs> you know? uh, I'm thinking of my wife right now. That's one of the things she would say. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, if the environmental impacts of the activity were actually included in the price, right, it would just immediately create a long-term stable market for, you know, for 100% clean renewable energy. And the market would uh-huh. just go there. But because it's not something that you can do when you make decisions is you can try to price like price those impacts in and say, mm. okay, like if I have two different options, right? Option A and option B, like, but do I buy the organic bananas at 20 cents a banana or the <laughs> non-organic ones at 15 cents a banana? Realize that like there's a lot of impacts that that's having on the earth. And, you know, by, by going for the organic ones and or by voting for renewable energy, even if electricity prices are going to raise five or 10 percent, when you monetize the impacts that that's having over the long term, you're saving 10, 50, 100 times that it's just not going directly into your pocketbook. So that's something yeah. you can do. And then another thing is, is my personal belief is we shouldn't stop flying or driving. We just need to transition to clean, sustainable energy sources and, and processes as soon as we can. But it's going to take mm-hmm. some time to get there. And it's going to give us mm-hmm. more time if we reduce our consumption a bit in the short term. And, and one thing that's really key in informing yourself on how to reduce your consumption is to, again, know what your, your carbon footprint is, right? That's, that's how much greenhouse gases are you, is your human activity releasing and, and what's releasing it. And just the average rule of thumb, or I should say the average carbon footprint for a U.S. person, 40% transportation. Okay, boom, focus on that. 30% electricity, one call, an extra five, 10 bucks a month, you can reduce 30% of your impact. Boom. Okay, industry, that's a little harder because, you know, it's, you can buy less things, you can get things that you love and use them for longer, that's great. You can try to get more eco options, although sometimes the, it's more marketing than it is actual lower impact around those. Mm. That's another area. Around 10% is agriculture and, and meat and land use change. So there's, you know, reducing meat consumption helps. And but but when you look at the the media, right? Like what's all over the media is is plastics and reducing plastic consumption, right? And so I I feel the issue with that is it gives people a false idea, a false notion that like, oh, I've got my reusable water bottle, I've got my reusable bag, like I'm sustainable, like things are fine. When it's like mm-hmm. that stuff is less than 1% of your impact. So so much of the mm-hmm. media focus is on less than 1% of your impact. And, mm. and I started to have this idea. I was like, it would have been ingenious for these gas and oil companies to like start funding these plastic campaigns to get the intention off them. And, and actually right. I met with the largest plastic producer in Colombia that has production facilities in, in 20 different countries. And I, I brought this up to them and they said, well, most oil companies are involved in the plastic. So it's not likely that they did that. Crazy. So yeah, again, yeah. who knows what's behind it, but, but getting, Getting the facts behind like what your impact is, how you can reduce it is key. And then the other thing that I that I didn't mention earlier is you can do things to get other people to reduce their impacts. So for instance, mm-hmm. Jetty, by you having this podcast and putting this information out there, it's likely gonna be lowering other people's 
footprints or for me All right yeah, we're doing it yeah. <laughs> so you know voting is a really huge thing just talking about it with your friends right and it doesn't mean to be in a stigmatizing blaming guilt way but just as like hey this is like important to me like what are you guys hearing is really key mm. and creating a a collective movement around it and a social awareness around yeah it. that's huge man i really appreciate everything that you're saying and just the practical steps that can happen, that it's actually, you boiled it down to something that's digestible. Cause I know for me personally, I spent a lot of time in my life, especially in my early to mid twenties, just feeling like that we're fucked. You know, it's actually seeing the world through that lens for the first time, like there's, that we're fucked and there's nothing I can do about it. Mm. And then my, my journey for the past 10 years has been, okay, well, what can I do about it? Even even if I don't know what the outcome is going to be, what can I still do about it? What do I feel called to? What is my passion? What is the intersection of all these passion lines that I have based on your visual that you presented before? And the one thing that has really helped me keep coming back and keep finding the well of energy to keep moving forward with everything that I do is thinking about the, the great-grandchildren that I'll never meet. Mm. You know, thinking about the, the great-great-grandchildren who will be here 100, 150 years from now and thinking about what I would want them to look back on as far as our family legacy. That they could look back and say, hey, you know what? Great-great-great-grandpa Jetty, he, he, he was one of those guys who took a stand and said, we got to do something about this. He, he had Daniel Howard on his podcast and they talked about it and it inspired thousands of men to go out and get electric vehicles, you know, whatever, whatever the outcome is, you know, but just thinking about the future generations and really taking responsibility for them like they're already here. Mm. I think that's something I know for me, it's changed my life. I think that's a perspective that it helps in this conversation because chances are guys like you and me, we will feel the effect. I feel the effects of warming already. But I'll probably be able to live out the rest of my life without being as impacted as those generations are going to be. Let's just leave it at that, right? Yeah, I love that. And that's it's so eloquently said. And, you know, my me personally, like the, the prayer that I make before I start work in the mornings, not every morning, but, but a lot of mornings is is around helping people that are struggling to survive and preserving the planet for future generations. And I keep coming back to that. And I, and I work under that, you know, that mindset. And like, even before this podcast, I caught myself like worrying a bit of like, all right, I want to make this as good as possible. And like, you know, I want Jetty to be super happy with it. And I want our friend Natalie who introduced us to be happy about it. And I want, to, you know, everyone to get as much as they can and be like, wow, I'm so glad I listened to that podcast. And it was like bringing stuff up in me. And then, you know, I sat with it for a bit and then I'm like, okay, what if I switch my mindset to I just love talking about this stuff and I love mm. working towards this to make this impact. Mm. And, and as I like was in an embodied state and I had that mindset switch, I started to feel that fear and that anxi anxiety go from a contraction to expansion and from heaviness to lightness. Nice shift, brother. Well, I, I experienced you speaking from your heart today. Uh, obviously some of the science stuff that we carved through in the beginning to create context, you can't help, but science is a logical thing, right? It's, it's mathematics, it's, it's 
it's uh, research based. So we, we got to introduce that. But I experienced you speaking from your heart and speaking about something that you really care about, man. So I think you did a fantastic job in stepping into that space. And I appreciate the transparency around that, too, because even in spite of our best efforts, our, our ego still still shows up and presents um even when we're having conversations about things that are very easy to talk about it's good man it's good and before we start to wrap up are there any other things that you have not already said about this topic about how it relates to the guys who may be listening yeah or any other nuggets you want to drop in there that will inspire motivate folks who are listening what's coming up right now is is the moral dilemma behind climate change and you know, as resources become scarce, right? As precipitation patterns shift and there's less water and it becomes harder to grow crops as land becomes desertified and as like more tragic, you know, Hurricane Katrina's, you know, that, you know, are supposed to happen every 500 years, start happening every 50 years or every 10 years. It's going to be the poor that suffer first as resources become scarce. And they already are, like they already are really suffering in parts of the world that are already already experiencing drastic shifts because of climate change. And not only are they suffering now, but they're they're dying. And the longer that we we take to fix this, the more people that are gonna suffer and die, with the majority of that burden being on the poor, and the more money it's gonna take to to fix this whole thing. And one of the you know, one of the, mm. so climate change is not only an existential threat, but if we don't proactively shift things so that we don't have extreme climate change conditions, right? How much money we're going to have to pay to try to mitigate things and like stop all this stuff from happening down the line is such a large portion of global GDP that there's not going to be any money left for things like you know, trying to solve poverty or education or infectious diseases or like all of these or cybersecurity, like whatever it is, all of these other really important things, like there's not going to be money for it because so much is going to be getting pumped in to just trying to ameliorate all of the, all of the chaos that this global energy imbalance is solving. And mm. when we were talking, actually, I, mm. I gave the metaphor, like, if every mile you drove your car and this huge plastic bottle came out the tailpipe and that happened with every car, people would feel like this is unacceptable. Like we cannot do this. Like we need to shift. <laughs> but because it's greenhouse gases, CO2 that are coming out of the tailpipe mm. that are buoyant and go up into the atmosphere and we can't see it, it's, it's almost been like this, okay, well, we can just treat the atmosphere as this open sewer but it's not, it's this thin, sensitive layer that regulates climate. And mm -hmm. the stability of that is what, is what has allowed like civilization to flourish over the last 10,000 years. It's mm -hmm. an existential threat. It's not too late. We have the technology to fix it. We just need to align policy and economics and social awareness behind it. We need to step into a higher level of consciousness in terms of our own lives in terms of how we talk about this in terms of how we educate ourselves about it and i think like anything instead of coming from a place of fear coming from a place of love mm. yeah man and i love the way you tie that all together with that last that last bit you just shared and i always think about it like this how awesome would it be if our 
generation or, or this time period, this era went down in history as like the golden age when when we when we finally reconnected we connected our hearts we opened up our hearts we connected our hearts not only to each other but to the to the planet to the elements to the resources here and we turned everything around you know the i, I love a good success story you know I, I love a good happy ending and it sounds like there's still an opportunity for that it's going to take a lot of hard work it's going to take a lot of discomfort you know from all of us sacrifice in some respects and i'd rather tell my my great grandkids that story than hey you know we uh we missed the boat we missed we missed the train on that one sorry i, I just don't want to tell my grandkids that story so um thank you for sharing everything you did today man i really appreciate it and and gosh you have such a great body of wisdom in a moment i'll give you a chance to tell uh, the folks where they can learn more and follow you more and maybe maybe support your efforts and what you're doing in the world. But let me ask you a couple of quick lightning style questions. You ready? Awesome. So what's one thing you've learned in your life you wish you learned back when you were 18? The the latest the latest thing that comes to mind is I I took a, a one year sabbatical after completing my PhD and lived in conscious communities around the world. And in one of the communities um the north of Copenhagen some people call it Tantra Island, really beautiful conscious community and like everything, yoga, ecstatic dance, inner work, shibari workshops, waterfalls, like, like what, whatever, you know, you could imagine is, is happening. And to me, it was like this initiation into my lover archetype, which, which I knew was there, but I didn't really know how to access it in, in healthy and skillful ways. And had I had that initiation that I got in those two months on Tantra Island when I was like 16 or 18, not only would my relationships have, have been better, but just my, my state of being, of being able to access that lover archetype, like in any moment, whether I'm doing work, whether I'm having a conversation with someone, whether I'm you know, with, with whatever it is, yeah, that would have been amazing. And there are tribes that have it. Like there's this song that I love. From the, from the Yoruba tribe in Nigeria, and it's around giving this, this necklace as an initiation into love, you know, to, to young men. And hmm. Very cool, man. I love that. All right. And what do you think is the most important value to have as a man? Hmm. You know, some, some people talk about growth, right? Because, you know, if you have a strong desire for growth, you're just going to be continually learning and improving and expanding and evolving. Other people talk about awareness, and I'm a big fan of that, right, of just continually expanding your awareness. And as you expand your awareness, right, it becomes a lot easier to, you know, make, make decisions that then enhance your life and are more ethical or more have your actions be in alignment with your intentions. For me, for me personally, I, I guess you have other people that say love. I think, I think for me, like, I usually tend to, like, put things together, right? To just like kind of make this, this, this pie of, of values that, that resonates the most and, and continually evolving it and putting new ones in and trying new things and just, yeah, letting it be this natural, organic, fluid process of, of evolving the pie of your values, which, which includes placing your awareness on that and, and having that, that intention. So I, I don't have one specific one. Cool. I love that. I love flipping the question around. Value pie. Value pie is what every every man needs to have. (laughs) 
grab a slice (laughs) cool bro uh last but not least where can the good folks follow you find you learn more about Mm -hmm. your your business your efforts and everything that you're doing my business is called quantum energy consultants and what we do is guide countries on how to minimize not just the economic, but also the environmental and health costs of their national energy systems. And so I'll put a link to the website in the podcast. And if you'd like this, if you have any questions, feel free to contact me directly. There's a contact form on the website. And also something you could do to help the world would be if you know people that are in the environmental space, whether it's industry or politics, and you think that they could benefit from talking to me, send them my website and I'll put my email in it as well. Send them my email and I'd love to have a talk with them and yeah, see how we can drastically reduce these environmental and health costs without having to increase the economics too much. Awesome, man. And let's go ahead and just say the link out loud so we can hear it and we'll make sure it gets in the show notes too. It is quantumenergyconsultants.com. Quantum is in the quantum model, higher level of consciousness. And yes, yeah. yes, man. Great stuff. Well, thank you for what you're doing, all the work that you're doing, man. I and I mean that. Thank you for all of the all of the flights, all the long nights, all of the successes and failures. I, I imagine that you've had to conquer as a man to fight for what you believe in and to stand in those difficult conversations. I'm sure there's been more than just a few of them with people who are trying to reorganize their learning and their understanding of how how we got to where we are and where we are. So on behalf of all of the future generations and all the current generations too, man, thank you for doing that work. I think it's, aside from maybe being a parent, I think you have one of, if not the most important job on the planet. So thank you from from my heart, man. I really mean that. Thanks, brother. It feels really good to receive that. And I want to go ahead and honor you. I love what you're doing. Uh, not just for men, but for for everyone in this world and raising our awareness and making this information accessible, creating community, creating conscious brotherhood around this. You can you can really see how much work you've done on yourself in your your openness, in your ability to to honor other people, in your ability to fully see other people and hear them. Yeah, it's inspiring for me. And I'm really looking forward to, uh, to catching you when I get back to Santa Barbara. Yes, man. Well, thank you. I, I also received that. And it's, it's good to have another, another bro out there on the battlefield, man. We, it's, it's good that we don't have to do this all by ourselves. I look forward to linking up with you when you get back here in Santa Barbara. And keep fighting the good fight, man. We'll bring you back up on here for an update sometime in the future, all right? Yeah, I would love that. To all the listeners out there, thank you so much for tuning in. It means the world. Sending you a big hug. Lots of love. Lots of light for not just the light, but also for the stuff and the darkness. Until next time. Yes, sir. Take care, my brother. You too. So if you guys have been listening to this podcast for a while and you've been tuning in and listening to my message, my personal beliefs, you know how important it is to me that we're thinking about future generations. And regardless of what your beliefs are about the environment and climate change, there's no doubt that we need to be better shepherds of our home. And by home, I mean this planet. And we also need to be more responsible with resources our use, our consumption of resources, and how we're engaging with the exchange of energy on this planet. I love the way that Daniel boils down 
with, with such simplicity what's actually happening and why things are out of balance in our world. The energy that goes into creating so many of the products and items that we consume as human beings and not considering the back end cost of that, just the cost, the price tag that we see at the grocery store or on eBay or wherever we're buying stuff from. It's crazy. It's crazy that we're so removed from the actual energetic exchange. Whereas nature keeps it really simple. Death equals life, life equals death, back and forth, give and take. So I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. I think Daniel is truly, truly one of the important people of our time. One of the important people who are leading in this very grounded, very courageous uphill battle against the shift in our climate. And if you've listened this far, you realize that at least according to Daniel, we're not fucked yet. So let's all get into action. Let's get our electric vehicles and our solar power and reduce that carbon footprint right away. You heard? All right, call to action. Make sure y'all are signing up for these Rising Man Fire Circles, man. I don't know if you're not in there by now. I don't know what it's gonna take. If you need to talk to me directly, hit me up because like I said, every man deserves a space where he can share his heart and soul. And if you don't have a men's circle in your life somewhere, then this is a great opportunity for you. Not only is it a great opportunity, it's the opportunity for you to get real hands-on experience with leadership, taking off your mask, bringing your edge, being held accountable to the commitments you make in your life. This is the spot to do it, man. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm talking to you right now. You who is on the fence, jump in now because this is your chance to lock in that $33 a month rate. I'm telling you guys, the price is going up next week. So do it right now. Don't delay. As always, check out the show notes over at therisingmanpodcast.com. We got all the links and resources for every episode there. Shout out to my man, Julian Subic, hooking that up every week. Also publishing this episode and all the show notes for you guys. Oh man, Julian, crushing it, man. Please subscribe to the Rising Man Podcast. Follow us, drop those five stars. If you think we deserve it, hit us with the reviews. Every single piece of feedback you can give us, obviously your follows as well, goes a long way. It lets us know that what we're dropping here on the Rising Man is landing. What we're speaking is connecting to your heart and to your soul and to your mission and purpose. So make sure you leave those messages. We love reading them, love receiving them. And it also lets other men know what we're all about here. So please continue to do that. Check us out on Instagram. We just changed our Instagram handle to at Rising Man Movement. So if you haven't followed us yet, go check us out at Rising Man Movement. Obviously, we're making the shift from Rising Man Podcast to Rising Man Movement because it's clear this is more than just just a podcast at this point. The Rising Man is here to stay. It is a movement. It is a mission to initiate an entire generation of men. So you get to be a part of that. By listening to this podcast, by spreading the message, spreading the word, you are a part of that. And so sign up, be a part of this movement, enroll other men to check us out, share those messages, share those episodes like you guys do every single week. I love it. I love it. I love it. Thank you. Thank you for doing your part. Shout out to the rest of my Rising Man Power team, Rowan Tyne, Sean Offenbach, Mark Rose, every single one of you guys putting so much heart and soul into this rising man movement y'all better recognize these guys are the pillars on which the rising man has stood for the past two years so thank you thank you thank you make sure you thank these gentlemen when you connect with them directly or come check them out in the fire circles all right one last time check out the fire circles jump in until next time my family rise up and claim your destiny